Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. I am talking to two-time best-selling author, podcast host, and all-around women's health and natural fertility specialist. And she has a clinic in Australia. I am excited to introduce you guys to my new friend, Nat, and we are going to talk about all things hormone and cycle related. And this conversation, you guys, is just packed with so much amazing information and so many aha moments and things things that I had never thought about. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Nat. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger Podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Welcome to the Living Your Calling podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Hagen, and my mission is to help you step into whatever you're truly called to do. I'm a Midwest wife and mom, and I built my business and dreams between the moments of motherhood. I believe that you can create your dreams around whatever season of life you're in. I'm obsessed with creating connections, out-of-the-box ideas, and cheering people on in whatever goal they're chasing. This is a place where you can come to feel like you're joining your best friends for coffee, for real talk of what's happening in life and business. Whether you're working on personal development or business, friend, I got you. Each week, you will find an episode that educates, inspires, and helps you take action to step into your calling and live your best life. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I am so excited for us to dive into this topic because I have so many questions around hormones and I have had my own experience with it. And I know I have so many friends that have their own experiences. But before we dive in, what is new with you? It is 2021. The January has ended when we're recording this that everyone always feels like has been a whole nother storm. But what's going on in your world and what are you looking forward to this year? Well, my eldest daughter just started high school, so that comes with a whole lot of special challenges. (laughs) Um, But I really am looking forward to doing all the things that I didn't get to do last year because of obvious reasons that hopefully I get to do this year. I'm in Melbourne, so we had some pretty serious lockdown, which meant that we didn't really do anything. Um, So all of that got put on, on the back burner. But more of you're going to see a whole lot more of me. I hope that's a good thing in 2021. I just plan on really making a lot of lot more podcasts, just a lot more presence, and hanging out with people like you and having yeah. a really good time. I know this whole new wor- digital world. I think has opened up so many more opportunities, or people are just way more open to it, which is great. But oh it is like goodness, I am. Yes. 
such a people person. I'm like, when can I hug the people that I get to meet? Because it is like, well, yeah, I've met that person, but it's like this digital thing of like we're friends, but like in a digital <laughs> way. Like, you know, well, like- <laughs> I play I play nipple, which is kind of like basketball, but not. Um, and so you're not allowed to shake hands at the end of the, the game. But everyone's so awkward that last night, like, we shook hands with half the team and not the other half. <laughs> it's like we, we don't know what we're doing. But the same goes, you're right, but the whole world has opened up. And even opportunities for um, myself for, like, media in the U.S., which is where I, I have spent the majority of my last three years, even though I'm in Australia now, Um I got calls last week to be on some pretty cool TV shows. I was like, there is no way this would have happened prior to 2020. So we've got to be grateful, even though it sort of sucked. We've got to be grateful as well. Yeah. And I think it's one of those as so many people, it's like grateful for Clubhouse. Like Clubhouse, I kind of feel like was what breathed the life back into us of 2021. (laughs) It's so true. It's so new for me. And, um, but it is, you're right. And just... Yeah, look, if you're having a, a day, whatever that means, if it's great or it's not, you can always go on Clubhouse and feel better later. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, let's dive in because I have so many questions for you. And I always feel like in my podcast, we cover so much ground so quickly. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, so one thing, like, let's just dive right in and talk about hormones and what it means. So we kind of talked about how there's this thing of coming off of birth control or when women are getting ready to have babies and no one's ever talked to us about hormones before. No one's ever talked about cycle tracking and it becomes this whole new kind of like odd thing that you're trying to figure out. So if there's women who are coming off of birth control or just trying to figure out like, what does this mean? Am I ovulating? What is your advice for them? First of all, many women feel very embarrassed or upset that they were never actually taught how to understand their bodies, especially women who are in that age bracket between probably 30 and 40 that are still the end of that generation where you were just prescribed the pill and there was no investigation as to what was happening. So you were given birth control by your GP because we believed at one point in time, I don't know why because it doesn't even make sense when you logically think about it, but we believed that that fixed the problem. And so what tended to happen was you transition off when you're ready to have children only to find either nothing had changed, you still weren't getting a regular period, or for a lot of women, it was 10 times worse. And really, that's because it was never addressed in the first place. So if you fall in that camp, and you really don't understand your body, and you've never had to look at it before, don't worry, you're not the only one. There's plenty of other women out there that have experienced that as well. But I think that's just the nature of hormone imbalance, especially. There's two reasons, obviously, we take birth control, one being for contraception because we're making a conscious and diligent choice that we don't want to have children and that's perfectly acceptable. But then there's the other side where we're taking birth control because we're trying to mask the symptoms of a problem. And that can be a slippery slope because like I alluded to, it doesn't actually treat the problem. And if we don't do things differently, we can't expect different outcomes from our body, but our bodies are always responding to the environment that we put them in. And that can be a hard pill to swallow, pardon the pun, because, you know, you don't want to knowingly go, oh, you mean to tell me that I've been doing X, Y, and Z 
all of this time and that's actually made my PCOS or my endometriosis or whatever hormone imbalance you might experience worse. And the crux of the matter is, yeah, okay, your genetics dictate what you are dealt. So whether or not you've got PCOS or whatever it might be, but our environments have the ability to turn on and off that in our systems. And so it means that maybe, you know, you don't have full-blown PCOS symptoms, but they're there and you can really manipulate your environment. That's your external world, but also your internal world of your body and your mental world as well to really lessen and for many women manage and overcome conditions like PCOS. So the fact of the matter is that the the birth, birth control pill flatlines your hormones and they don't get this ebb and flow every month. You don't ovulate and you don't have a period whilst you are on the pill. And a lot of women are really shocked to hear that because they were never told in the first place. So I don't know how far down that rabbit hole you want to go, but I think the, the crux of the matter is you don't ovulate, you don't get a period, you're getting a withdrawal bleed, and therefore there's so much that needs to be addressed outside of birth control when you're looking at treating something like PCOS. Yeah, I love how you touched on, you know, that age bracket, because it was that we were just prescribed. And and I mean, I'm one of those people, I had horrible periods, they were heavy, I was in so much pain, my mom would call me out of school. And in that time, it just even like the age of the internet was almost newer, like there was no Facebook, there was no one that was giving you like, hey, these might be red flags. Now I feel like, girls, you know, it's more talked about. Um, but, you know, just that permission of if you were one of those people, like it's not necessarily totally your fault that you were oh, banned. No, not at all. And it's so common. Like I said, it's definitely not your fault. And it's definitely not your mum's fault. She was doing the best that she could with the information she had. I think the issue also was that our, my mum definitely is of the generation where pain and periods just were part and parcel. They went together mm -hmm. and that was just the way it was supposed to be. And pain in the body anywhere is not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. It's your body's way of telling you that you have inflammation, that there is, yes, definitely something that's not working properly. And the greatest way of telling you to do something about it is to make something hurt. But the problem, like I said, is that we've accepted that period pain is normal. And it's obviously not. So mm -hmm. when we can disconnect from that, and that's because our mums told us that as well, and that's because their mothers told them that, um, we can actually then have some logic about it. I like to say, and I don't know how straight up and crude we can be here, but if a man had a pain at the end of his penis every month, he would do something about it. He wouldn't just be like, oh, there's that pain again, right? So why do we accept the fact that, oh, well, as a woman, I have to experience horrible pain and horrible bleeding every month. Sure, you're supposed to have a period every month. That's the way your body's designed. But it shouldn't be something that you have to cross off four days of the calendar for and schedule your life around it. You might feel a little bit tired and a little bit sort of, uh, I call it heavy. You feel a little bit heavy, right? But that should really be the end of it. It shouldn't be this massive event that really um, is debilitating. So I think even just knowing that for a lot of women because we just accept it as normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, it and it's even something that 
as someone who has PCOS, there are times where I'm like, would it be easier to just put the Band-Aid back on? But I know that that's not the answer because we just haven't been taught yet how to fully figure that out. And I'm in this season of now having to figure out because I went from coming off the pill to trying some holistic things and I got pregnant so quickly. Like I literally at 33, well, am I 33? I don't know. Maybe I'm 32. You get to the point of it doesn't matter anymore. I do. But I'm to the, like, but I'm to this point of, I'm like, how am I this old? And I literally have no clue what is normal for my body yet. And I would love for us to kind of dive, maybe we'll just kind of go forward a little bit because there's a major hormone shift that after women have babies that I feel like isn't talked about or it happens to us, but no one really explains to us what's happening. So I would love for you to kind of touch on some of these hormone changes that women are feeling after they have babies. And even, you know, as milk comes in and milk dries up, that's like a whole nother hormone wave that nobody ever tells us about either. Because I can tell you, I didn't know how bad I would smell from the hormones when your milk (laughs) dries up. (laughs) First of all, I just want to touch on one more thing before we change topics. And that is that if you are using the pill to treat anything, um, don't, feel discouraged or despair we're so lucky that we have access to modern medicine but we can also use body wisdom and complementary um, therapies and um, you know integrative therapies so for some people it can offer a great amount of relief and I'm certainly not here to say you shouldn't do that I think it's just about the fact that we think that it just stops with the pill and there's so much that we need to do if we're going down that road. And like you said, mm-hmm. you're on the other side of it. You're like, I'm not going back down that road, but then what do I do? If I don't do that, I can't just leave it to the gods. Like I need to have <laughs> right. some type of understanding and then control over this so that I'm not a crazy person every month. Um, so I just wanted to say that because I don't, I don't want people to feel discouraged by their choices. I think I just want them to feel empowered and have enough information so that they can make informed choices that are best for themselves based on what feels good um but you know we we, for whatever reason many of us experience the highs of pregnancy some of us not so much some of us hate being pregnant and, and our hormones don't necessarily show up in a kind manner whilst we're pregnant for whatever reason and it's hard because we're all different and and so but in general, some of those hormones, especially progesterone, is such an amazing feeling hormone that we all have. And we have that um, for the, it's in most dominant form towards the, sorry, from the middle of our cycle when we've ovulated through to when our period comes again. But it's also there in high amounts whilst we're pregnant. So are many other hormones. But the point is that when we give birth, we have this fairly rapid decline in many of these hormones. And depending on if you breastfeed or not, then that's obviously another um, another layer of, of um, hormones, again, that we can feel all sorts of things. But, you know, we t- often talk about as women postpartum five days, we'll get the five-day blues. Um, and that's just because we are seeing this change in our hormones that we no longer need anymore. And I think one of the main reasons that we feel so horrible is traditionally women sat on their butt for 40 days or thereabouts after having children. And now, I mean, I was at the Boxing Day sales here five days post-Caesar 
don't ask me why, but I was. <laughs> and I don't think that was the smartest thing to do, but I in my, my mind was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. And so, you know, I can't recommend if I was to have another child and that ain't going to happen, but if I did, um, I would advocate for sitting on my butt for as long as possible for recovery regardless of whether you are having a vaginal delivery or a cesarean because it's a massive event that you've just been through and we don't take care of ourselves and I really think that lends to every corner of our being whether it's our emotional state and our physical state and then our hormones being able to feel supported throughout all of that especially hard when you've got other children. I acknowledge that too, but I don't think we ask for that enough and I don't think people around us give us that enough. And so we see these big fluctuations as our hormones are trying to gently come out of a time where they've been at their peak. You know, we've probably not, we don't see HCG as a hormone in our body that supports pregnancy that's the only time we see it in our body. So to have a whole lot of it there and then that suddenly be gone, that can be problematic. We also have lots of other hormones in the lead up to labor and then oxytocin, the love bonding hormone that that is, you know, when we when we actually see our child for the first time and then so that layered with not just hormones but also what our birth was like. Did we debrief from our birth? Did we have a lot of blood loss? Was it complicated? And also for mums that are um, experiencing childbirth and then um, having a beautiful baby for the first time, we get split in two as women. We are, I'm still Nat, but now I'm Livy's mum. And so, wow, how do we navigate that as well? So there's just so much going on that it's not any wonder that our hormones feel like we're all over the place. And then obviously you're talking about breastfeeding. So at some point, if all the stars in the sky align, we get to breastfeed because one of the hardest things I've mm-hmm. ever had to do. And Absolutely. oh, wow, like that. Once, you, once you're off and running and however long that takes you, it, it's, it's, a, it's great. But establishing that far out, you know, that I never knew my nipples could be so traumatized. <laughs> and you know don't come near me and then every time that that baby would cry and you're like oh my gosh I've got to do that again I'll try to try and you know suck this up um that that prolactin and everything that's released is great when it's balanced but when we first get it wow everything's all over the shop so you know there's just so much going on and I think at the other side of that when we do wean and we see a decline in these hormones then again we go through more changes again so it's not any wonder that we experience um, like you said you smelt weird and you um, I don't know about you but I saw things like my skin changed. I had acne again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where did that come from? I thought that was gone. Um, but again, your hormones change and your body starts to produce things like sebum and um, and in response to other fluctuating hormones that re- hopefully your cycle does return again. But it's all over the place because we're all over the place and mm-hmm. it's it's not normal, but it's common again, just like period pain, that we feel the effects of that as women. 
Mm, yeah. And I can totally relate to how you're talking about and then the fluctuate and my youngest is going to be four this week. And I feel like my body's still adjusting and the stress of 2020 and I'm covered in hormone acne. And I was like, I'm going to put makeup on. I was like, Nat, Nat would appreciate if I would not cover this up. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, like, and so it was just, and that's kind of where I would love to kind of touch on because now I feel like there's this place that women get in that I feel like maybe the research is out there. Maybe people are talking about it and and I just haven't found it yet of this. Well, I don't really know if I'm going to have more babies, but I'm at the age of I'm in between babies and menopause, which is crazy to think that then I'm like in like 10 years, all these symptoms. So here I'm going to work and more symptoms are going to come. But now I'm in this, okay, how do we like figure out what's just like level Michelle yeah. and what's level us? I love this question. And so where do like, and that's where I'm like, where do we start? Is it, you know, I know for myself, I've gone and I've have low progesterone because I've been tested, but then it's, do you start with supplements? Do you start with food? Like, where is the first place for women to start? Great question. Uh, I would always say to anyone why? And always ask yourself, but why? Okay, I have low progesterone, but why? There's a reason why. And we can't treat it until we know why. We can, our Western brain says to us, oh, that's okay. We're just going to give you progesterone. But it doesn't treat the reason why. Therefore, it will never fix itself or or Mm -hmm. be led to a path of recovery if we don't look at the why. So, the one thing I do with everybody, um, especially you know, my beautiful patients and people that follow me and want to chat with me about this stuff, is get them to ask themselves that question. Why is this happening? Um, I wanted to touch on something before we went there and now it's gone from my head. Oh, I know. Um, I think the one thing I want everyone to understand is that our two main groups of hormones totally influence each other. Our sex hormones and our stress hormones are always in proportion to each other. And when our stress hormones are heightened and they're mainly a cortisol and adrenaline, by the nature of coping and them coming along to save us, it just pulls the handbrake on our sex hormones whether that's estrogen, progesterone, it's generally progesterone. Um, We never see excess progesterone. I've never seen that ever. And everyone I speak to, it's just not something we see. We always see low progesterone. So then we still come back to that example. And there's many hormones that can be impacted depending on your, like I said, your genetics and your situation and your nutrition and lifestyle and all of that. But I would say the most common problem I see is low progesterone and it is usually as a result of high estrogen. So when we have too much estrogen by the nature of that, it goes, typically we have too much estrogen because we have too much stress. So inadvertently, cortisol impacts progesterone, pulls the handbrake on it and estrogen just keeps on climbing. But the issue with that is that estrogen can be high because of stress, because of environmental factors, toxins, chemicals, And it can also be high because your body's not clearing it properly. And so if you can get those three, if you can recognize, okay, externally, what's driving estrogen? Am I really stressed out? Um, I mean, who isn't? Um, Is my nutrition not ticking boxes? Am I exposing myself daily to chemicals that mimic estrogen? So they're not essentially estrogen, but my body thinks they are just by the nature of their molecular structure. Um, And then am I clearing estrogen? Is my liver happy? Is it detoxifying properly and is my gut metabolizing estrogen 
chances are no. <laughs> and this is what's contributing to your low progesterone. So you need to not actually focus on progesterone. We need to actually regulate estrogen better so that it will naturally become more in line with where it should be and progesterone will naturally rise. Now, we can also have low progesterone because estrogen is low. So our body's pretty clever. It needs one to make the next. So if there's not enough estrogen, then there's not going to be enough progesterone or or other hormones necessarily. And so how do we work that out? We look at clues in your body. And this is just one example, and I will invite everyone to go and check out. I've got a hormone worksheet that lists the most common hormone imbalances that you can work out where do you sit and then go on a path of discovery, which I think is awesome. But um, the key is your period. Your period tells you so much information and so does ovulation. And ovulation really is the star of the show, but not everybody understands ovulation. Everybody knows what their period looks like, whether it's there Mm -hmm. or it's not, they know, right? right? So the key in most patients is the flow of their period. Estrogen builds your lining every month, more estrogen, more lining, more bleeding. Mm. If there's not enough estrogen, not enough lining, not enough bleeding. So if you experience a heavy period every cycle, it might not be every month but every because you might not get a period every month, um, but every cycle is heavy, then I am willing to bet that you are probably estrogen dominant. Whereas if you're getting, a, don't worry about the pain, don't worry about what comes with it, just look at, Am I having to change a pad or tampon more than every three to four hours as a guide? Now, a lot of people use cups nowadays, and that's fine if you're brave. I can't use them. <laughs> I guess I think they're the I'm best an old lady. <laughs> I'm clearly, I'm literally like, do you know what? You're talking about perimenopause. You know, at some point, I'm going to go through that. Life's too short. I don't need to learn to use that now, the age of 41. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> And I'm like, do that. it's the best thing ever because I then I can just be out and it doesn't, you know. I know. But see, this is the thing too. I don't have problematic periods. They're not heavy. They come and go. Yes, okay, sometimes I might get caught out and go, oh, oops, okay. But they're never at the point where they're so heavy that I'm generally in a position where I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was, then that would be a different conversation. So um, that's really the nature of your example of low progesterone but you're right we dump everything in this camp of post babies pre-menopause and that that time frame can for some of us be 20 years don't think you're not changing in those 20 years and don't think what you're doing in those 20 years can absolutely impact menopause when it decides to happen in either a positive or or a negative way, if you can set yourself up at any stage of your life for thinking forward and treating the underlying issue like we've spoken about because you've asked the question why, you are going to have a much happier transition when that time comes. But the number one reason that we are seeing women really suffer through, not, well, menopause, perimenopause and menopause, for most women is this estrogen dominant piece because stress is at an all-time high because we've never lived like this before as women. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is our our ovaries want to pass their job onto the adrenals, but the adrenals are working overtime because you're stressed because you're suddenly 45 and you are not only got children that are like, you know, 10 teenagers, whatever, you're working more than ever before, you're trying to run a household, your parents are getting older, you're looking after all of the things and you're not looking after yourself. And the impact and stress of that really 
impacts that transition that your ovaries are coming and knocking on the door every day to your adrenals saying, I'm ready to pass the job on. And the adrenals are like, not today, honey. There is way too much going on. We're not doing this today. And so that can really draw out, in my experience, what I've found is it just draws out this process that's supposed to be pretty quick and painless. Um, And women can experience horrible symptoms for years and years and years just because they're not looking at their stresses. And I want to say stress isn't just running late or having to take care of someone or um, our finances. Stress is pretty much everything that can impact Mm -hmm. our body, whether it's, (laughs) you know, um, worrying, overthought, but also our gut function. Have we really upset our gut because we've been on medications for a long time and not looked after ourselves? It can be that we wake up every morning and look in the mirror and say, you're horrible, that awful things we tell ourselves. It can be our environment. It's everything around us and inside us. So it really is important to become conscious about what that looks like for you. And I think that's the biggest problem is that as women, we just push on through and Mm -hmm. nobody's designed to do that. Yeah. And I loved how you touched on the stress piece because I feel like right now in this season, and I finally asked a whole bunch of my friends, I was like, is your cycle been late? Like, is it my PCOS or is it all of us together? And they're all like, no, it's all fluctuated. I'm like, okay, so at least it's not totally all me, but it is, you know, mentioning to realize that, this last year, we've all lived in this heightened stress bubble of no wonder things are all out of whack and we have to figure out how to how to get them back. 100%. We've come out of what you guys are in because we're not in summer. I mean, we're not in winter anymore. We're in summer. Um, last year, patients were either one, their symptoms were 100% worse or 100% better. There didn't seem to be anyone in between. And I guess it comes back to what sort of person you are. Do you love being at home? You're an introvert. You don't really love socializing. You're going to be the person that you feel so much better being kind of, you know, encouraged to stay at home and really not do anything. I've worked out that the majority of people aren't actually like that, at least not in my world. I would say maybe 15% of people were like that. The rest were so much worse. And I think what we've also got to realize is the collective stress. That you don't really get to control. But I liken it, or we'll flip it, and I liken it to at Christmas time, regardless of your worries, your troubles, what's going on in the world, it's such a nice time that mm. energetically the world together collectively is happy or happier. There's a lightness about it. There's a sense of fun. There's a sense of just love, you know. It's it's this big group hug. Yeah. With gone through the opposite of that it was all fear it was all like unknown and it felt awful and collectively the world was and still is but was very stressed out to think that you can tap out of that you can't it's everything that everything you were faced with everywhere you were allowed to go whatever you did there was no like for us there was no Oh, what'd you do on the weekend? Oh, I went to such and such as wedding or 21st or no, it was, it was Groundhog Day every single day. Mm. We were in lockdown actually in, in my um, area for the best part of five months and it was awful. We, you know, but the impact on people's hormones and health was very, very obvious. And it's been an interesting observation really, because I don't think we've ever 
been able to look at and document how that's impacted us as women, especially, and our cycles. But you're not alone there. Everyone had definitely the impacts of that, whether it was positive or negative for them. Mm. Yeah, it's like, can we all just have the Christmas in July and we'll like, let's try to have a reset do-over. I know it'll be cold where you're at, but it's freezing where I am right now. And it is, we are living in like the massive, we're not in lockdown, but it is Groundhog Day because there's not a lot of right. places to go. Right, right. Have you always been dreaming about creating an event for your business? But of course, in the season we're in, in person just still isn't really an option. Well, I am so excited because online events are my jam and I have come up with a way that you can create your perfect online event as well. Don't feel like you have to create something that is huge and flashy like we are seeing some of the big names in businesses do. You can create micro events that are perfect for your audience. I can help you figure out how to tailor your event to your audience and whether it be live or pre-recorded, I know that there is a perfect online event for you that is going to impact your business and to help your customers or your followers feel more connected to you. An event is a great way to let your people get a better inside look onto you and your heart and your business. So whether it be a micro summit, an online conference, an educational event, or whatever you can dream up, girl, I am so excited to help you plan it. Head to michellehagan.com for more info or send me a DM on Instagram at Michelle and Hagen and say, Michelle, how can I plan my event with you? And I look forward to hearing from you. I would love to also touch back how you talked about knowing your cycle and even the flow of your cycle of how much is coming out. And one thing I've learned in this year is recognizing even the color of my cycle of being like, okay, if it's this color, now I know like my progesterone, we're at like a healthy level. And so I would love for you to touch on that and explain to women, how can we you know, you talked about a little bit of the cycle, but what are other things, you know, the color of our period, what are other things in our daily lives we can be noticing that are major red flags that you think, hey, if you, these things are happening to you, this is a red flag and we need to dig deeper. Yeah, I love that. So let's start with the start of the cycle. I've talked about the period a little bit, but obviously the biggest question I get asked is, what day is day one? Day one is the first day of flow. So if you have a little bit of spotting in the lead up, it's not until you are actually in or having a flow that that's cycle day one. So we start there. We don't count it from the end of the period. We don't count it from the spotting. We count it from the first day of flow. Um, and so anything really outside of, you know, um, like I said before, an outside of what I'd say normal in, in inverted commas. So, you know, a normal flow being changing a pad or tampon every four hours or a cup that doesn't overfill every day. Um, no pain, no PMS, uh, like PMS might be headaches, mood swings, nausea, um, tender breasts. Uh, I think I said moodiness or maybe I didn't. Um, and so, Really, a period will change for women, and that's one thing that I don't think we're told, is that in our 20s it can often be heavier and in our 30s it can become a bit lighter. It still should be regular. 
Um, and so roughly somewhere between four to six days is about the average amount of time to bleed. So long as you're bleeding for at least a couple of days, you're fine. A lot of women will say, oh my goodness, I only bleed for three days. Nowadays, I'm like, embrace it because it's going to get, going to change again. Like <laughs> as you transition through menopause, it's going to get a bit erratic. So just enjoy the lightness of what you're experiencing now. And some women have heavier periods after children as well. So it just depends on what your hormones are doing again and whether or not estrogen's a bit bossy at the time. So really typically what should be happening is from that time, your body is preparing to actually ovulate and really that's the one thing as women we really need to understand better and I feel that we really have lucked out and Mm -hmm. not been taught properly and I always get women to just look at and this this is so gross and detailed but you know what we're all in it together I get them to watch their cervical fluid patterns and the changes that they see there and it's not even so much that you need to go fishing for it. You don't need to go on a, you know, expedition up there. <laughs> I say to women, just like when you first get your period and it feels wet and warm down there, you can feel it. You know, you wake up and you're like, hmm, or you're walking around, you're like, hmm, I think my period's here. Ovulation feels wet and cold. So your period feels wet and warm down there and your ovulation feels wet and cold. And so many women have never had the opportunity to realize that that's what that sensation is. Mm. They haven't put two and two together. You have thousands of nerve endings at the opening of the vagina or the vulva and the cervix that allow you to actually feel this. And even though you might see discharge or cervical fluid at any other time of the cycle, you might see it when you go to the bathroom or when you wipe, you don't feel non-fertile mucus. But when you feel that wet and cold sensation, that is ovulation that's the peak of your cycle and that's when your fertility is at its peak and the reason it feels wet and cold is the nature of that cervical fluid or discharge is very different from what you see at any other time of the cycle and that's because it's a different nature that it's it's there to help take the sperm to the egg whether you want to conceive or not that's what it's there for and I say whilst we're in our reproductive years your body is always working towards trying to get you pregnant whether or not you have a regular cycle or not it's always working for an optimal environment for that. So just bear that in mind. Um, mm. Even if you feel like your body's failing you and your cycle's not regular and it's all over the place, it's still working towards trying for that to happen. So if you can really get that sensation of, oh, okay, it is wet and cold down there, your body is trying to ovulate and, and that would typically be your peak fertile time. One thing we're not told is that your body can try that several times in a cycle before it actually mm. does it. And the reason it keeps trying is because of a non-optimal environment. Again, it's trying to set you up to fall pregnant. So it's cycle day 14 typically and, you know, we're supposed to ovulate somewhere in the middle of our cycle. Um, and, you know, your body's getting ready and you start to sense this wet, cold feeling like, oh, I think I'm ovulating, look at me go. And then it's gone for a few days and then it comes back again and you're like, hang on that's a bit odd. If you know your cycle, you can go, that's a bit odd. I thought I already ovulated. It's back again. Fair to say that whatever happened on around that cycle day 14, whether there was you flew in a plane, you took medication, you didn't eat enough, you've got a new exercise regime, you've done something out of the norm. You're up all night with your baby because they weren't well. Your body actually just goes, oh, you know what? Uh, not today. Let's just, we're going to tap out. We're going to come back and we're going to try again. That's in response to your stress hormones. Mm. If it's so on that day and it's not likely that your body keeps on trying 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 to do that it usually follows through at some point fairly soon after unless you have PCOS Um, and so then typically what happens 
is either there's an an embryo that implants because it got fertilized because you time sex because you want to have a baby or, or maybe you don't want to and you just bad timing um <laughs> or um no that doesn't happen and the body prepares to shed away that lining and and the hormones change at that time so the ovulation is definitely a peak event with it when it comes to our hormones we get a surge we get a luteinizing hormone surge our brain tells our body yep it's time to ovulate and then the body's amazing because then what happens is once ovulation has occurred your ovary the site of where that egg has come away becomes its own little organ that produces progesterone for the rest of that cycle mm. amazing we're so clever but for whatever reason if there's too much like i said too much or not enough estrogen that knock-on effect is is impacting progesterone for many women and so we can see many many symptoms as a result of low progesterone a lot of them that you mentioned before and a lot of those common pms symptoms are low progesterone symptoms um and so then we repeat the process and we keep doing that and for whatever reason that might be for you a 35 day regular cycle or a 50 day cycle whatever it is at some point in there, you've ovulated. And if your cycles are longer, it does get a bit tricky to work out. But if you can come back to looking at that fertile mucus and those changes, then you don't get it wrong. Whereas definitely don't rely on your app to tell you when you're ovulating because it just guesses <laughs> unless you are entering data from your basal body temperature or, your ta- or you're using a device to measure that, then don't let that tell you because it's just basing it on your last cycle. It'll always look at your last cycle to predict mm-hmm. what cycle and that can be a fail because they can change. Um, and really any symptoms that you see throughout the cycle are your clues into what's going on for you to allow you to get curious and work out how to bring things back to a state of um, a happier and more balanced hormones. So they're definitely the cycle changes in and for most people and you can have variations in those and that's okay. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Um, there's just various more common hormone imbalances, like I said, that you can go and find out on that hormone worksheet, whether it's testosterone, which we haven't really spoken about very much, estrogen, progesterone, they're the most common, definitely, that we see. Yeah, and I will for sure link that in the show notes so that people can go find that worksheet. But if someone has listened to this and they're like, Nat, I like, woo, like red flags are going off. What's the first, like, where do you say, okay, this is the first step to take. We don't need, you know, like just give people what's one first step that they can take to help their bodies. Well, like I said, have a look at what your period is telling you. I know you, sorry, you also asked about the color and the flow and there's there's so much detail you in your period. You can go on and on forever. I know, keep on going. But there is so much information that your period, and like I said, that's the one that you understand because you see it, it's really obvious and it's in your face. Whereas ovulation takes some practice. So be kind on yourself if that's all like jibber to you and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Promise you now that I've made you aware that you will be like, oh, actually, funny that. Is that what she was talking about? It's never going to be wrong either. Um, mm-hmm. So start with looking at your period and see what that is telling you in terms of flow. And then, like I said, truly the hormone worksheet is designed for you to then get curious because it's like it's it's like one of those old quizzes that you used to do when you're a teenager in like the Dolly magazine or the Cosmo magazine where it's like if you're mostly ones you're this if you're mostly twos you're this it's not going to give you a definitive answer it's going to allow you to become curious to go oh actually and then I'd really invite you to jump on my website I have 
so many years of content on there that I'm pretty confident if you search what you suspect is going on for you, you're going to get a whole lot of information to help you be more curious and to dive more into what might be going on. I would say eight times out of 10, women don't need hormone tests. They just need to understand what might be their hormone imbalance and the small things that they can do that make up their every day, what they do each and every day to move them in the right direction. We are always doing, whatever we do is is either moving us in a state towards better health or not. There's no in-between. You know, if you look at food, it's either of benefit or deficit. There's no in-between. So if every day you're doing the same thing and maybe there's some foods in there that really aren't so kind to your hormones, but you are introducing them every day to your body like oh yeah it's back again and it's keeping your hormones imbalanced it can be little simple things like that so try not to be overwhelmed my whole existence is dedicated to helping women understand their hormones simply you don't you're not an endocrinologist you don't need to be unless you choose to be you don't need to be you just need to understand the fundamentals so a you don't keep blaming it on your hormones but getting nowhere and b you can actually do something about it once you recognize what your hormone imbalance is so i know it's all about me all of a sudden it's like go to my website and go and do this but i mean that there's so much information there it's all on there and you will find so much out for no money <laughs> just mm-hmm. because I want you to understand it better that then you can be led in the right direction yeah and it is a great wealth of resource I've poked around and looked on there as before we interviewed and there is there's so much great information that I was like oh I can't wait to dive into this because it's also one of those things that once you become aware and you start learning at least for me of the type of person I am I just want to like keep going down the hole and yeah. learning about it totally This has been such a great conversation and so much knowledge in here. And I hope that this is, you know, I know that every podcast, I always say there's one person out there that needed to hear this conversation. And this has been so great. But before we wrap up, I always ask everyone, if you could go back to the little years when your kids were teeny tiny and little, and you could give yourself advice from the wisdom that you have now, what would that advice be? Oh, this is so easy for me to answer that um, it's constantly changing. I remember when my I first had my daughter, maybe for the first maybe two years, I was like, is this my life now? Like, I don't know that I like it. <laughs> I don't know that this is the right thing to do. Um, and that, that, yeah, absolutely, that it's not permanent. None of it's permanent and it's constantly changing and it gets better and better and better and better. Um, I didn't have that wisdom. I just thought that I was literally going to lactate forever and sit on like my bum and feed my child. So that was the one thing I wish someone had said, this does, this is temporary. This doesn't last. Um, and now that she's gone off to high school, I mean, I don't have all the wisdom of someone that might have a, you know, big adult children, but it's just happened in a blink of an eye. And now I'm kind of going, I didn't. I didn't stop enough in the last few years to really she's changing she's going through puberty um it's never too late though so I think now just thinking about that I'm going to really cherish each of those milestones as much as possible and recognize that we're all winging it so don't worry you don't have to get it right Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. If people want to find you out on the waves of the internet, where can they find you at? 
Yeah, I'm Nat Kringudis everywhere and there's only one in the world because who else is dedicated to that kind of surname in their life? So um, <laughs> whether it's Instagram, natkringudis.com or, or um, any of your social handles, um, come and hang out. I love hanging out on social media. I love interacting with people there. Um, I try and always answer people's questions and give as much value and information. So again, if you're not really sure where to start, just come and hang out over there. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Your Calling podcast. If you love this episode, will you share it with a friend or leave a review? Make sure that you subscribe or follow so that you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from listeners and connecting. You can find us over on Instagram at the Living Your Calling podcast or at Michelle Ann Hagen. Join us inside of our private Facebook community called the Living Your Calling podcast community. It's free, so why don't you join us inside? You can join by clicking the link in our Instagram bios or checking out the show notes. Join us and we will dive in deeper and I can't wait to connect with you. If you needed someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, friend, this is it. I promise that you are worthy of whatever is on your heart and whatever calling you are wanting to chase. I am proud of you and I'm here for you. You're listening to the Living Your Calling podcast, inspiring you to be and create exactly what you were made for.